Well, I don't know about you, but after last Sunday, I found so many opportunities to say, Jesus, less of me, more of you. Jesus, in this moment, less of me, more of you. And as we kicked off this series, Almost, it's the idea that we are in in this endless chase for more. And we discovered that there are so many places that we tend to make ourselves bigger than we should, ourselves more important than others. And when we found out, as John the Baptist showed us the example, that no matter what, there should be less of me and more of Christ, we had that moment. I mean, listen, I prepare these things, and I still had that moment where I'm like, oh, Lord, less of me, more of you. So for many of us, we find ourselves continuing going through different scenarios. And and in our lives, there, there are certain categories where we say, I'm almost there. Now, some of these things are those moments where you have an opportunity to finish a, a task. And you're like, I'm almost there, right? Or you're on a trip and you have a few more miles to go. You're almost there, but that's really not what we're talking about. We're talking about those things that we never seem to quite get there. You knew it was gonna happen. I figured we'd pull off the Band-Aid now rather than later. Today we're gonna be talking about money and things. So bar the doors, don't let them out. (laughs) And this is a curiosity of mine. This is free. This is just a curiosity of mine. When did it become a difficulty for us to speak about money in church? When did it become something that we thought, you know what, we can talk about anything you want, we can talk about Jesus, we can talk about the cross, we can talk about Moses, we can talk about Noah's Ark, we can talk about all kinds of things, but when we start talking about money, somehow our whole posture changes and we get ready for, what is it, a big ask, right? But here's the thing. We all struggle in the area of wanting more. And in particular, our finances are an area where we say, you know what? I do want more. I remember being a little kid and the dreams of my future future did not involve clipping coupons, right? It didn't involve, hey, when I go to a restaurant, looking at the menu to find the thing that costs the less least amount, right, and ordering that. Water's all around. (laughs) It's free, right? (sighs) But here's the thing. Even one of the most wealthy people in in the, the world has this to say about money. Now, he's long gone, but John D. Rockefeller. Anybody know who that is? John D. Rockefeller was once asked by a reporter, how much, Mr. Rockefeller, Mr. Rockefeller, how much money will be enough money? And to that he responded, just one more dollar. Now, at the height of John D. Rockefeller's uh, career, he owned 90% of all the oil and gas industry. His wealth was equivalent to 1% of the United States economy. He was filthy rich. 
But still, when being asked, how much does it take for you to be happy? He said, one more dollar. One more dollar. How many of you in here think it would be nice to be rich? It's okay to raise your hand. It's okay. Okay. How many of you in here know somebody that's rich? Okay. How many of you are filthy rich in here? <laughs> oh. Okay. Listen, all of us have this thought, man, if I could be rich, everything would be better. But the truth is, not almost all of us, we're not rich, but we want to be. So they did a survey, and I always like these little surveys that they do. They asked a question, what is it that you would do to be rich? There was a survey by the University of Utah and Harvard that did this joint study together, and they asked, somebody, asked these people, they did a sampling of 1,000 people, and they said, okay, if you were to be given $10 million, what would you do for it? If I were to be given $10 million, what links would I go to to make it happen? Well, 25% said that they would abandon their families. They would say goodbye to their families forever for $10 million. 23% said that they would work the streets, if you understand what I mean, for a week. And 7%, get this, said that they would kill a stranger. And if you think of it, in this room, there's over 100 people. Seven people would consider killing you for $10 million. <laughs> if the price was right, if there was $1,000, there'd be 70 of them in here. And so here's the thing. There are some things that we will do that we're not proud of if we have a promise that it will pay off. Now, if that doesn't make your heart sink a little bit, so Gallup, they do these surveys, they do these polls, and, and they ask the question, what, what is rich? If, if you were to put a number on rich, what would it be? And so they had people get themselves in their, their different uh, income levels, and those who, were, uh, who got $30,000 a year, that was their income, they said, you know what, I feel like I'd be rich if I made about $74,000 a year. They asked the ones that had $50,000 a year of income. They said, you know what? I need over $100,000. And some of us in here are in those brackets. And we still feel like, you know what? It's not enough. The top income earners, the ones that make the most money in this nation... They say you have to have about $5 million in assets to be con considered rich. I mean, think about it. If you only have $2.1 million, you're not rich. <laughs> but here's what I'm trying to lay out for you, okay? Being rich, it's a moving target. It turns out it doesn't really matter what you have or how much you have. Just a little bit more would be just a little bit better. Because when you get more, you want more. We find that we want a little bit of a bigger house. You know, they came out with a new model of the car that I drive. Hmm. You know, I really think I should go purchase a few more things so I can put them up in my attic, right? 
But here's what's going on. There's kind of this odd shift that we're trying to see if it, if it plays out. Economists are saying because of the pandemic, the, the, uh, there's a shift in, in the economy. There's a shift in the way that people view money. They're saying uh, that Generation Z and the millennials, um, they say that they're not necessarily looking to save towards being 65 for that big vacation. They're saying the shift is, I'm going to start doing those things now. I want to to measure my life by the experiences I have and the impact that I make. Now that sounds pretty altruistic, doesn't it? How many of you worked as hard as you could and saved every dime so that you could not work when you got older? Not many, oh gosh. How many of you are just going, I am not sure where he's going, so I'm not going to raise my hand. I know that's what's going on. Okay, but for most of us, here's the deal. We, we ask ourselves and we kind of line out this idea. We draw a line in the sand. And we say, if I had just this much, I would be happy. It's just a little bit more than I have now. But it's just a little bit more. And we have this dilemma, this tension inside of us when we finally realize that we're saying just a little bit more and I'll finally be happy. We start scratching our head and wondering how is it that I can, how I can actually meet a goal if it's constantly moving. But to be honest, listen, if, if God saw it fit to give me money, if God saw it fit to help me to win the lottery, I'm pretty sure that I could be a better rich person than the ones that already have it. If I got money, what would, I, what would you do? The first thing you do is oh, I pay off my debts, right? Did you know that most of the, the people that gain money through things like the lottery or anything else, they end up being bankrupt within a few years because they don't know how to handle being rich. Mm. But I'm pretty sure that I'm the exception to that rule, Right? I'm pretty sure that I'm the exception. In fact, God, would you test me by giving me millions, right? <laughs> and then we, we find ourselves kind of bargaining and thinking that we are somehow going to be better at money if we had money. But let me give you a little bit of a perspective. If you're not good at money when you have little money, you're not going to be good at money when you have a lot of money. If you're not generous when you have a little money, you're not going to be generous when you have a lot of money. That's just the way we work. We need instead a, to gain a perspective. We need to look at the right perspective. Now Jesus, he was, he was talking to a group of people and he said in, in Luke chapter 12, which is where we're looking today, he's talking to these people and he said, listen, I want you to watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed because life does not consist in abundance of possessions. Jesus said, hey, look at this, pay attention because there are so many things coming at you, you're going to get tricked into believing that life is about what you get, what you accumulate. In fact, if all the ads on television were right over Christmas, we'd all had a car in our driveway with a big red bow on it, right? We'd end up with a whole lot of stuff that we don't know how to use that ends up breaking or ends up being sold in a garage sale for one-eighteenth of the price. 
If we were to believe what we saw on TV, the ads we saw in social media all over the place, we would find that we have an issue and we need to be on guard. Because everyone else is going to tell you what you need is more. You need more of that, more of those things. You need more, more, more. And it's easy for us to fall into that trap, that spiraling trap that that we need what we don't have in order to be happy. We're going to fall into this spiraling trap that we need what we don't have in order to be happy. In this passage in Luke, there's this wealthy farmer. And this wealthy farmer is, has a little bit of a problem. He has too much harvest, right? Any, any farmers would say, hey, that is not a problem. Listen, this guy, he was, he was working the land, working the ground, and he came up with a harvest that yielded way more than he had anticipated. And so he asked himself, what should I do? What should I do? I don't have any place to store it. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down what I have to store, and I'm going to build bigger. So Jesus, he told them this parable. The ground, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, self, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Jesus said, this is how it will be. For whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Mm. I want you to think about a few things in this, this parable. Number one, God was not, was not mad because this guy was rich. God was not mad because this person had amassed wealth. There's nothing wrong with being rich. There's nothing wrong with having things. Because besides, who gave this man his riches? The ground. God gave him those riches. It was from what God had given him that he had the abundance. He was a farmer. God made him rich. God blessed him. But the issue was that he was not rich towards God. I have some really good news for you. Regardless of what your bank account tells you at this moment, the majority of you in here are absolutely rich. They say this, if you have $5 in your pocket and no debt, and we laugh at that one, right? If you have $5 in your pocket and no debt, you are more rich than over half the world. Most people in other countries, they live on $2 a day. 
there are more than 3 billion people on this planet that live on $2 a day. And I'll tell you the truth, I spent five times that on a hamburger the other day. Puts it in perspective, right? Now, what you're not going to hear me say is go sell everything you have and give all that money away, and then God will be happy with you. But I will tell you there's a few things that we need to understand about wealth, about our wealth, even when we don't feel rich, what God wants us to do with it. Now, you can kind of gauge how rich you are by what upsets you. What are the things that upset you? For example, you know, the other day I, I was there and I was waiting in the drive-thru for over 10 minutes. I was in my nice car listening to my serious radio and I had to wait for over 10 minutes. And then when I got home, they didn't give me the sauce that I asked for, right? <laughs> Listen, the other day we went this place and the Wi-Fi was so bad, I couldn't stream in, in anything but SD. My 4K videos, they were just SD, um, older adults here. Um, see, there's standard definition te television, and it's okay. I mean, but 4K, it's like 4,000 colors. We need that, right? Listen, we go and we look for something at one store to find that they don't have it, so what do we do? We drive to another one. We are at a point in history where we can play any song that we want at any time we want from something that we hold in our hands. We can stream a movie anytime we want. If we're hungry, all we have to do is jump in the car, drive past five restaurants that we don't like to the one restaurant that we do, and let someone else cook it. Let someone else serve it. Let someone else clean up after us. You can tell how wealthy you are by the things that upset you. Now, I'll be amiss if I don't say this. There's some people in here that are hurting. There's some people in here that are scraping by. They have bills to pay. They have medical bills. They have uh, fallout from all manner of life difficulties. Some are unemployed. Some have so many things that are stacked up against them. But the majority of us in here are rich but we need to learn something very important, how to be good at being rich. How can I learn to be good at being wealthy? How can I learn how to manage the things that God has given me so that God will receive the honor, so that God's kingdom will be built, so that people will know that God is the one that orders my day, and more importantly, God orders my finances. It is a gift from God, the wealth that we have. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, he said this, everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power should enjoy them. It's not wrong to have wealth. It's not wrong to have things. It's not wrong to buy things for other people. It's not bad to have a big house. It's not bad to have things for your children. It's not bad to go on a vacation. God gives you blessings so that you can enjoy them and share them with other people. Solomon says, everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept a lot in life, because this 
is the gift of God. Think about it. How many of you have felt that you needed to apologize for having something? That you had to apologize for having a little bit more than someone else? You don't apologize for having a good marriage, right? You don't apologize for other blessings in your life. You're like, hey, listen up. I'm so impressed that you have a good marriage. And you're like, oh yeah, I'm so, so, I'm so sorry for that. You don't have to apologize for having good health. You don't have to apologize for being in good shape. You don't have to apologize for having a full head of hair. Maybe. Listen, when God gives you the skills, he gives you the talents, he gives you the brain in your head, the ability to organize things in such a way that it allows you to do the work that you do well, then you should celebrate that. There's no need to apologize for the things that God gives you in order to make advances in your life. Don't apologize for the blessings that God gives you. Don't apologize for the good things that come from it. But know that there is a tension that comes in it. There's some bad news. You want some bad news? The bad news is this, you're rich. And being rich can be a spiritual disadvantage. Because we tend to choose to chase after things to our own detriment. We choose to chase after one more dollar, one more thing. Jesus told a parable in Luke chapter 18. He said, how difficult is it for those who with wealth to enter the kingdom of God? For it's easier for a camel, for it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now this is the story, of course, of the rich young ruler. And here's the problem that he faced. He had a lot of stuff. He had a lot of wealth. And Jesus, in this hyperbolic statement, said, listen, if you are unwilling to use what you've been given for my kingdom, then you're not going to be able to enter it. There's that tension because we've been taught all of our lives to build our own kingdoms, to create our own little slice of the American dream. And there's nothing wrong with having wealth. But there's something wrong when, it, when we give in to the tension that that wealth creates. When we have a big kingdom, it's more difficult to seek the kingdom. When we have a bunch of stuff that we are concerned about, it's hard for us to seek after the kingdom of God. When we're worried more about the things and whether they're going to be okay. So there's, listen, there's, there's good news that we're rich and then there's bad news that we're rich. We have a roof over our head, we have food in the pantry, and for the most part, not many of us in here have ever had to pray for real, Lord, give me this day my daily bread. If you have, 
you know, how to, how to manage that tension because those who haven't had appreciate the things that they have. Our stuff that we have gives us the burden of managing it. And this is why I say this. Listen, those of you that, that had this thought that if you were given a lot of money that you'd be good at it, let me just tell you this. Most people that have a lot of wealth tell you that their stress level increased exponentially as the bank account kept adding those zeros. There's a, there is a stress and a pressure that comes with wealth that not all of us are able to handle. In fact, there's scripture all over the place talking about how we need to be found faithful where we are. And if you are actually found faithful in the things that you're doing, God will continue to bring you those blessings. But until you're found faithful in the small things, why would your heavenly father give you the larger ones? Wealth is a responsibility because to whom much is given, much is required. We hear the messages all day. (laughs) You need this. You should buy this. You should want this. You should trade this one in to get the new one, right? And we find ourselves thinking that what we don't have, the things that we don't have are the things that we need. There's messages that tell us to buy more, to spend more, to buy stuff that we don't need to impress other people who really don't care. We think our problems in life are solved by getting more. But here's the reality. The more stuff you get, the more problems you have. So Jesus said this, be on your guard. What really matters does not consist in the abundance of money, in the abundance of things. Our lifestyles don't match this, though we spend more than we make. That's how we get in debt, right? We spend more than we make and we accumulate more than we need in order to make ourselves feel better. We put stuff in the attic. We, we rent a place to store our things until we've paid so much to store the things that we put in there that they're no longer worth that and we're, we paid for them twice. Money doesn't solve your problems. Money's not going to help your children make good decisions. Money will not make your depression go away. We need more of the things that are eternal. We need more of the things that last not only this life, but well into all eternity. Money is temporary. We need more of Jesus More of Jesus, less of things. More of Jesus, less of chasing after those things. Paul said this to Timothy. He said, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty or arrogant. Charge them not to be arrogant, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Don't don't have this hope in that one day you will be rich, but have your hope on God, who richly provides to us everything 
to enjoy. God gives us wealth. God gives us things in our lives with an opportunity to bless, to create good things. It's not wrong to have stuff. Don't feel guilty if you have a positive balance in your bank account. Don't feel guilty. Feel responsible. He said to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, that we are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up treasure for ourselves as a foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. We need to change our view of money. We need to change our view of how we figure out what is most important in regards to our finances. Salvation, not salvation, satisfaction can only come when we figure out that we have enough. Salvation only comes through Christ. And satisfaction, it only comes through Christ. If we can learn to say this, if we can learn to say that God has blessed me with more than I need, I'm rich. If we can say, God has blessed me with more than I need, I'm rich. In fact, I think we probably need to do a little responsive speaking here. Let's say this together. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. We're going to add to it. But I will not trust in my riches, but in him who richly provides. If you have enough money in the bank but no peace in your heart, it doesn't matter. We need to stop trusting in our balance sheets and trust in God as our provider. So we need to say this again. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich, but I will not trust in my riches, but in him who richly provides. Here's the kicker, are you ready? Because I have more, I will give more and do more. Because I have more, I will give more and do more. We don't need more of the empty promises that we get from the world. Those big promises that don't deliver. Those things that just cause us to, to chase after one more thing that never fills that hole inside our heart. I don't know how many of you are tired of chasing things. We need more of what's eternal, not the temporary promises of things. Paul said again, do good. Be rich in good works. Be generous and ready to share. Store up treasure for yourselves so that you can take hold of that which is truly life. He said, listen, you'll be more rich when you give away. 
You'll be more rich if money doesn't have a hold on you. It's not bad to hold things. It's just bad when your things hold you. So maybe for some of us here, we need to learn to do something that matters. We've been stuck in this routine where all we're doing is accumulating things for ourselves and we're not doing anything that matters. So we need to learn to begin to have a lifestyle of generosity. Because this is true. If you don't give when you have little, you will not give when you have a lot. If you don't give at church, let today be your first day. Learn to be regular. Regular in blessing. Regular in giving. If you can't give a lot, just give something. Just start giving something if you're going to say, no, listen, I know, Pastor, you're about to tell me that I need to give 10%, and let me tell you what. Yes, I am. <laughs> but here's the thing. If you're waiting until you have 10% to give, you're never going to give. Give out of what small that you have and allow God to take it and bless it and increase it. Because it's about the hold that things have on you. It's about the hold that money has on you. Learn to be generous with what you have. Maybe today you'll go and you'll cover somebody else's meal. Maybe that's a way that you'll start thinking about how to be generous. Maybe you'll help someone move. Maybe you can help them pack some boxes, load them in their car. Maybe you can serve food at our food distributions. But all of us need to learn how to give regularly, to give systematically, to have it be automatically the, re the result of our heart's desire is to give, to be giving people. So maybe that means that we need to place service on our calendar. Need to place those opportunities to serve other on the calendar and then build other things around it. Instead of saying, I'm too busy. I got stuff, you know, Netflix dropped a new series. We need to learn to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. And that attitude needs to drive our care for others. We need to learn to do things that matter so that we can say, God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich, but I will not trust in my riches, but in him who richly provides. Because I have more, I will give more and do more. And that, my friends, is how to be rich. Would you pray with me?